So as you saw, the title for the message today is A Thanksgiving Prescription for Anxiety. Have you ever had anxiety before? Probably if you haven't had anxiety, you're, you may not be alive. You might be a robot. Cleverly designed. Anxiety. What are some of the things that make you anxious in life? Yeah. Getting sick? Yeah, health concerns can be something that really cause you to become anxious. What else causes? Someone said family? Yeah, that can happen also. Job, sure. Your wedding day. Congratulations. Got to talk afterward. Finances, yeah. Sure, relationships. What about having to prepare a big meal for everyone to eat and then having to clean up the big meal while everyone's passed out? That can make you a little anxious sometimes. I tell you what, I am just a professional at anxiety. You know, in a lot of things in life, I am just relaxed, so easygoing, but there are a few things in life that can really make me anxious. And I've been realizing in recent years, those stomach aches that I got, and I couldn't figure out why I've been having stomach aches, well, it's because of anxiety, right? And so maybe some of you are like me, and instead of turning to alcohol with anxiety, you turn to antacid tablets to treat that anxiety, right? I ended up one time when I was in seminary, couldn't figure out what was going on, and I had this really bad stomach pain. Didn't know what was going on, so I, I eventually checked myself into the ER figure out what was going on. I was worried, maybe appendicitis, that type of thing. No, it just was the result of too much anxiousness, too much anxiety for too long of a period. Uh, anxiety. So today we have a prescription from God, a Thanksgiving prescription from God for anxiety. Open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and we're going to look at verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. We should do a whole sermon series through the book of Philippians sometime. So much good stuff in this book, as there are in all books. But chapter 4, verse 6, are you there? All right. Verse 6, it says, Do not be what? Anxious about anything. Ooh, that almost makes you anxious just reading those words, right? Now you got to be anxious about your anxiety problem. What's going on? Do not be anxious about anything. What's your first response when you hear those words, when you read those words? You're a little anxious? You wonder, how is that possible not to be anxious about anything? I looked up in Greek what the word for anxious is. It's merimenao. Can you say that? Merimenao. And it means basically what it sounds like. It's this undue anxiety, anxiousness. It can be used in positive senses. Earlier in the book of Philippians, it's used in a positive way, like having concern for one another. 
But generally in the New Testament, it's almost always a negative thing. It's like you have this stress about something, and instead of letting it go, you just go through this loop, this cycle, where there's no benefit from it. You're just replaying those thoughts in your mind. Your stomach starts to churn. The anxiety meter is going up and up and up. You've been there, right? This isn't like, oh, I don't want to get in a car accident. I'm going to be a careful driver and put my seatbelt on. That's a, a, like a healthy level of concern about your welfare and your well-being. No, 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 it's not that. It's these thoughts that you don't let go of, that I don't let go of, that worry you, that trouble you, that give you ulcers, that give you all sorts of medical challenges. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Ooh. I wanted to look up the other passages in the Bible specifically in the New Testament, that had this word merimenao in it. And you'll find that there's some, some common passages. I want to look at them real quickly with you this morning. Go back to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. Sometimes if you're wanting to study out a concept from the Bible, it's fun to find out what the original word is and then look at all the other passages that have that same word. Those of you who came to our seminar, we gave out a number of concordances that allow you to do that or you can do it for free on your phone, on the internet, or many of you have concordances yourself. Now, sometimes words are used differently and you can't take the meaning of it in one passage to equate to the meaning in another passage, but at least it gives you a broad idea of the usage of the word. So back in Matthew chapter six, some very well-known words from Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter six, and we'll start there in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry, do not merimenao about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Jesus points to an illustration from nature. Look at the birds. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Basically, don't worry about stuff excessively. And he's not saying don't work and don't try and provide because, of course, we need food. The Bible is filled with counsel on the importance of work, hard work, doing your part. But what we see here, and we'll see even more, is Jesus is talking about this excessive thinking about, this stewing over, worrying about putting these things first in your life such that you're not trusting your Heavenly Father to provide for you. He said, I provide for the birds, and I value you more than the birds. I'll take care of you. Worry can lead to lack of trust, or lack of trust leads to worry. And by the way, verse 27 says it's not helping you anyways. It's not doing anything good. Verse 28 and why worry, why merimenao about clothes? See the lilies of the field, how they grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. Have you looked at flowers closely recently? Maybe even taken a magnifying glass or a, a little microscope and, and, or looked online at these zoomed in pictures? God takes care of the flowers. Why shouldn't he take care of us? Verse 30, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today 
and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Worry indicates a lack of trust, a lack of faith. So God, when I'm not letting go of these things, it's really saying to you, I'm not sure you can handle it, God. I'm not sure you're thinking enough about this, God, so I'm going to help you out and think about it some more. These things that I can't control in my life. Some heavy words, heavy things to think about. Verse 31, so do not marry manao, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And now the key verse, verse 33. But seek last the kingdom of... No? Did I get that wrong again? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be given unto you. Again, not saying don't work. Don't try and provide for your family. He's not trying to teach that. He's saying, put me first in your life, make me your chief concern, and I'll take care of all these other things. Therefore, verse 34, do not merimenao, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will merimenao about itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. Has enough trouble in the future, just focus on today, and focus first on God in your life, trusting Him And then these other things will melt away. That's one passage. Let's look at another. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10, Jesus is is now sending out his followers. He's going to send them out on a missionary expedition. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10. Look at verse 18. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not marry Manao. Do not worry. Be anxious about what to say or how to say it. Because at that time, it will be given you what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. In other words, you don't know what's going to happen when you're going to be called to testify for me, Jesus says. So just don't worry about it. Focus on doing my work, being with me, and at that time, God will give you what to say. Have you experienced that before, where God has put words and thoughts in your mouth, in your heart, in your life? So why worry about what you can't control? There was that guy, Tim Tebow, who was the Heisman Trophy winner for college football, spent some time as an NFL quarterback, now he's trying to do baseball. And he was kind of a a lightning rod for criticism. But what I love about him is he said, you know what, I'm not going to worry about what I can't change. I'm just going to do my very best and and let let everything else happen as it's going to happen. But I can't worry about what I can't change. So Paul, as he's saying, do not worry about anything. Don't be anxious. He's saying the stuff that you can't control... Just drop it because it's not going to do you any good. Have you had those stomach aches before from worry? There's so much evidence, medical evidence, for how this type of stress and anxiety affects people physically. I saw this quote from Corrie Ten Boom. She lived through the Holocaust. 
Okay, if anybody knows about anxiety, it's her. And listen to her words. She says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. So instead of worrying, seek God first. Trust our Heavenly Father. Let go of the things that we can't control and enjoy the peace that God wants to give us. Let's look at one more passage. Go to the book of Luke chapter 10 before we hop back to our main passage for today. Luke chapter 10, towards the end of the chapter, we're looking at verse 41. Familiar story. Jesus is traveling. He spends some time now at the house of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha. He's spending time with his friends, and one of them is spending time at the feet of Jesus. Who was that? Mary, right? And the other one, Martha, she's a good hostess. She has the gift of hospitality, which we need and we praise God for, especially around Thanksgiving. But Martha, the text says, was distracted by many things. She was trying to get everything just so when the invitation of Jesus at that time was to simply be spending time with him. And so look at Luke 10, verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are Mary Manao, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Again, one thing is most important a connection, a relationship with me. Sure, we need to eat. We need to drink. Those things are important. She was saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Just like Matthew 6. But Jesus said to her basically, seek me first. And we'll worry about dinner and those things a little later. You see, worry and anxiety separate us from God. Instead of talking to God and and expressing our concerns to him, we just start thinking about that thing. We replay our problems over and over again in our mind. Maybe it happens to you in the middle of the night. It didn't used to happen to me, but sometimes I'll wake up early in the morning and I just can't let these thoughts go. Or it seems difficult to. Jesus said, let it go. Worry won't help you. It's your heavenly Father that's going to help you. So why not worry? Well, we've seen a couple of reasons from these passages why we shouldn't worry. Number one, worry displays a lack of trust in God. It doesn't fully place our life, our hands, our circumstances into God's hands. Number two, it doesn't help anything anyways. Why do something that doesn't help? You know, that doesn't make any sense, right? Why do something that doesn't help? Number three, worry negatively affects our health. It doesn't help us live longer, live happier, live healthier. It just takes it away. And number four, it distracts us from Jesus, the only one who can fix our problems. So perhaps it was because of these reasons and more that Paul, back in our passage, let's go back there, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, says, Do not be anxious about anything. Why do something that will hurt you? Why do something that will take you away from God, the source of help, 
the source of joy, the source of peace. Don't be anxious about anything. So then the question is, what's the solution for us worry warts? If you find yourself in my shoes where sometimes things just really get to you, what do we do? Well, we keep reading. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. The solution for being anxious about anything is to do this in everything. It says, but in everything by what? Prayer and petition. In my Bible, I'm reading from the NIV today. Prayer and petition. Now, some think that these two are the same. They're a little different. Prayer is the general term for speaking to God, talking to God. Petition is more of asking things of God. So number one, talking to God. Number two, asking God for help. And look at number three. It says, with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. God's saying, as we saw in these other passages, seek me first. Talk to me. You got something on your heart? Tell me about it. Doesn't God already know what's on our heart? Of course he does. But he asks us to share it anyways. Did he know where Adam and Eve were hiding in the Garden of Eden? Of course he did. Why did he ask them? It was for their own benefit. Why did he ask them if they ate from the fruit or not? He wanted them to, to share and realize what they had done, to be honest with him. So we talk to God. We present God our requests. And then we do that tea thing, thanksgiving. You see, the benefit of thanksgiving is it takes our minds off of our problems and puts it towards the good things in our life. And I can't underscore the importance of this enough. As I was preparing for this sermon this week, I realized, man, I need this message extra. Extra. I need every message that I preach. But this one, I'm like, wow, I really need this one. And I had the opportunity this week to start putting this into practice. Instead of just stewing over those thoughts, it's not going to help anyways, let me think of the things I can praise God for and thank Him for. And then you're thinking about, man, I really am so blessed after all. Love that children's story, Jenny. That was great. We have so many things to be thankful for. The chiefest of which is that God has offered us salvation. Our sins are washed away if we confess them to Him. I mean, even if things in this life don't go so well for us, we have a life to come. Heaven, eternity to look forward to. So I'm going to encourage you. Let's make this really practical. If you're a worry wart, or the occasional worry wart, three things to do. Talk to God about it. Ask for help. And then start thanking God for all the things to be thankful for. And I'll make this even more concrete for you. I say get a journal. Get a notebook. Get a piece of paper. And write out your prayer. Sometimes doing something physical helps to kind of direct your attention, focus your attention more. And then make that list. Make a long list. Some of you might stop at 10. No, don't stop at 10. Go for 100 or more. And each day, add to that list. And go back over and reread that list. 
Focus on those things. And boy, I tell you what, when you take your eyes off your problems and you think about how many blessings you've had, it starts to change your attitude. It starts to lift that cloud of anxiety in your life. This isn't rocket science. This isn't something totally new. Not something super profound, but it's something super practical. If we do this, it's going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference. Let's see how this plays out in other passages of Scripture. Go to Psalm 55. Psalm 55. I looked up in the Greek version of the Old Testament, the word merimenao. wanted to see where it appeared, and here's one passage where it shows up. Psalm 55, verse 22. When you get there, say amen. amen. I think sometimes people say amen, and they don't even have a Bible in front of them. But not you. Not you. <laughs> it's just a reaction, you know. Amen. Psalm 55, verse 22. It says, Cast your cares, your merimenao, on the Lord, and what will he do? He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Now notice here it says, Cast your cares upon the Lord. It doesn't say cast and then reel back in. Like, hey, God, take a look at my anxiety. Well, back to me now. We're not playing catch we're pl or fetch or anything like that. We're playing give it to God and leave it with God. Amen? Amen? Cast it upon God. Leave it there. That's that prayer part, right? And God will sustain you. Many of you recall the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You don't have to turn there unless you want to. 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah at this time. He gets word three nations are going to attack him. Three armies have joined together to destroy his nation. And naturally, he was anxious. He was nervous. But the very first thing he does in the passage, you read the story this afternoon, he prays. He proclaims a fast for the whole nation, the whole city, everybody, to pray and talk to God. He knew the secret that Paul described in Philippians 4, 6. Prayer, petition. They pray. They say, God, we don't know what to do. But in the end of that prayer, they express their trust in God. He says, but our eyes are fixed upon you. We don't know what's going to happen, God, but we believe you can do something. And then this man named Jehaziel stands up in the congregation and says, God has given me a message God has said, I'm going to completely give you victory, and you're not even going to have to fight the battle. So they go out into battle with their armies, and what did they send in front of the armies? It was the singers, the choir, and the choir was singing psalms to God, praise and thanksgiving to God in advance of him ever doing anything tangible for them. You know, it's all right to thank and praise God even before he delivers you. Amen? And... and we have to be careful because we don't always know, we don't often know what God will do. It's not always that God works complete and total deliverance instantly in that moment as he did for Jehoshaphat. But we can always praise and thank God that he's going to do something and that he is doing something. And most of the time we don't even recognize that he's already been doing something. And in the story, God worked total and complete victory. 
Jehoshaphat prayed, he asked God, and then he thanked God and praised God. We see the principles of Philippians 4 in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. What about in the story of the feeding of the 5,000? That'd be a source for anxiety. Jesus, nobody has food. And there's thousands of people here. Jesus, what are we going to do? Oh boy. Maybe some of you had anxiety with extra relatives coming over or not enough food for Thanksgiving. Well, this was like 5,000 or more people there. What are we going to do, Jesus? Well, look, here's some loaves, here's some fish. What did Jesus do in this story there? John chapter 6. It says, he gave thanks to God even before God multiplied the bread and the fish. He thanked God. And then God worked and did something awesome. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. Acts chapter 16, there's that story about Paul and Silas. They're in prison. You know what town they're in? They're in Philippi. Philippi. What book are we reading from? Philippians, right? The same place, same location. They're in prison there, Acts chapter 16. Would prison be a source of anxiety for you? (laughs) Yeah, of course. They're in prison. It's a bad situation. If anybody needed some Tums, it was Paul and Silas. Except the story records that they, they didn't need it because you know what they're doing in the middle of the night? They're singing praises to God. Now, that's not the immediate situation I would naturally think to praise, right? But they recognized Paul wasn't just saying, don't be anxious, and then thinking, like, well, that's a new concept. No, Paul had lived this in his life. He had prayed those prayers, asked for those petitions, and then he had spent the night praising God in the jail. And what did God do? God opened up the jail miraculously, and he was delivered. Now again, I don't know what your situation is, and I can't say that God will instantly deliver you in a way that's totally miraculous if you follow these three things. But what I can tell you is it will help change your attitude in the situation you're in. Amen? Most of the time, that's the bigger miracle, changing our attitude. And when our attitude changes, The way we look at things change, and our problems don't seem so big when our attitude changes. Number one, talk to God. Number two, ask God for help. And number three, what was it? Thank God. And don't just say, thank you for all the blessings, amen. No, 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 no. If you have big-time anxiety, you need to do some big-time thanking God, right? Make that list. Post the list on your refrigerator. Put it on your phone in a note that you can look at. Put it as the backdrop on your phone or your computer, your iPad, so you are always reminded, oh yeah, God has been good to me in so many different ways. So let's go back to our passage. We're going to wrap up here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, by petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And notice the response. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
Do you want more of that peace in your life? Peace where you say, man, I should be totally upset right now, but I don't know why I'm not, because I have peace in my heart. That kind of peace, even in the midst of the storm. I heard a story about a competition for paintings. The competition was this, paint a painting that best portrays peace and the winner will get whatever prize. So the first painting was unveiled and it was this beautiful meadow and, and the birds were singing and the sun was out and, and the trees were there. It just was a beautiful day, clear, sunny skies. And people thought, probably, this has got to be the winner. That is so peaceful. The next painting was unveiled and the painting didn't look so peaceful. There was a big waterfall with a, a massive drop, and it looked kind of steep and scary. Picture Yosemite Falls, you know, from on top. And the sky maybe wasn't so nice. And how is this depicting peace? And then the people looked, and they saw at the very edge of the waterfall was this skinny little tree. You know how they grow in Yosemite, where they're just growing out of the cracks, and you don't even see any dirt, but somehow they're surviving? And then on one of the branches of this skinny little pine tree was a nest. And in that nest, there was a, a mama bird sitting on her eggs. And the look on that bird's face was the face of peace. In the midst of this chaotic scene with the roar of the waterfall, the wind and the, and the weather and all these things, the bird in that moment had found peace in spite of the circumstances. God doesn't promise that he'll always change your circumstances to be the, the most wonderful thing ever, but he does promise that he can give us peace that transcends all understanding. That means it goes beyond your ability to understand where it came from. Number one, talk to God. Number two, what was it? Ask God. And number three, thank God. Spend extra time thanking God. He promises to give us that peace that will guard our hearts. That's used in the Bible to talk about our emotions and our minds, our thoughts. He'll help our heart, our emotions, and he'll help our minds. Notice verse 4, just before this. Verse 4, Philippians 4.4, 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Always. I will say it again. Rejoice. It's like the Apostle Paul was trying to get a point across to us. Amen? If you have anxiety today, tonight, in the middle of the night, this week, try this prescription, this formula. I'm not promising instant healing. not promising you're going to instantly transform from, from a worry wart to someone with total peace. You gotta practice it over and over again. Most medications don't work instantly, right? It takes time. Talk to God, ask God, and thank God aggressively. And you're gonna find more and more in your life the peace of God that trans transforms and, and transcends all understanding. One day, death figuratively speaking, was walking down the road. Death was walking down the road. A man saw death coming and said, hey, what are you, what are you doing? And death said, well, I'm going to go kill 10,000 people today. 
Ugh, that shocked the man. He said, what, why, why are you going to do that? That's terrible. And Death said, well, that's just what I do. So the man was extremely concerned, and so he goes off to the village, and he warns them, Death is coming. He's going to kill 10,000. Death is coming. Well, by the end of the day, in fact, the next day, the man saw Death walking down the road again, and he said, Death, why did you kill so many people? 100,000 people died yesterday. I thought you were just going to kill 10,000. And Death said, I did kill 10,000, but worry and anxiety killed the rest. Friends, do you want to die from anxiety? Or do you want the peace of God that transcends all understanding? Who wants God's peace today? Amen. If you want God's peace, give it a try. Get a journal, get a piece of paper, do it on the back of your bulletin, whatever it takes. Pray to God, ask God, and thank God. Let's thank him now. Dear God, we are thankful that your word is so practical. Even though this was written some 2,000 years ago, it speaks perfectly to our hearts and to our situation today. I don't know what each of us worry about, what we stress out about, but I pray that you'll change the, the habits of our mind, the habits of our heart, the habits of our life, while we know we can't escape anxiety, we can't escape stressful situations, Lord, we want to put this into practice. We want to talk to you, ask you, and thank you more. And in so doing, Lord, I pray that you will fulfill the promise to give us that peace, the peace that is above all, the peace of you in our hearts. May we have this peace today and every day, for this is our prayer. In Jesus' name, let all God's thankful Christians say, Amen. Amen. Have a happy and thankful Sabbath. And of course, if you don't have a meal, please join us for our fellowship luncheon. God bless you, and I'll see you next week.